Did you know you could shop around for prescription prices? With GoodRx, you can find free coupons at over 70,000 pharmacies and save up to 80%. It's that easy. But don't just take my word for it. Dr. Adam says, I've been telling all my patients about GoodRx. Jacqueline says, my medication was $65 without insurance, but I paid $25. Aubriana says, you don't have to pay full price to live your best life. Couldn't have said it better myself. GoodRx is 100% free. Download the GoodRx app today and start saving. GoodRx is not insurance. The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. from Washington, D.C. every Wednesday from 3 to 4 p.m. for an hour-long Generation Progress takeover. Check us out at genprogress.org or on Twitter at genprogress. Welcome to the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm your co-host, Edwith Theogene. And I'm your co-host, Charlotte Hancock. Yes. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, after several long days of waiting, long days that felt like years. I know. Result... And I feel like days. I was like, it did not feel like days. <laughs> no, not at all. It felt like years. Um, The result of the 2020 presidential election is official. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will be sworn in as president and vice president, respectively, on January 20th. Um, Vice president. (laughs) Love the background noise. (laughs) And the crowd goes wild. (laughs) Vice president-elect Kamala Harris will be the first woman and the first person of Black and South Asian descent ever elected to serve in that office, um, which is very monumental. As we near the end of the ballot counting process, um, it's more clear than ever that the election result was made possible by the record-breaking turnout of young Americans and the decisive voter choice of young voters of color. At Generation Progress, we've always rejected the tired stereotype that young people aren't politically engaged. But this election, perhaps more than any other, demonstrated the immense political power of our generations. After years of activism and organizing based on the issues we care about and record-breaking turnout in the 2018 midterm elections, young people have managed to not only maintain, but build on their momentum to get where we are to today. So we are very grateful for everyone who is out there voting, out there in the streets protesting and making this happen. Uh, To break down how young people were able to impact the election in such a huge way and where we go from here, we're joined by two really awesome experts from URGE, Unite for Reproductive and Gender Equity. We have Monica Edwards, the federal policy manager of URGE. Hi, Monica. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you doing? Doing good. Awesome. And we're also joined by Jazz Gonzalez, URGE's digital campaign manager. Hi, Jazz. Hey, y'all. Awesome. 
So thank you very much for joining us. Um, to start us off, Monica, can you tell us a little bit about the mis mission of URGE and what your role as the federal policy manager entails? Yeah, sure thing. So um, URGE, Unite for Reproductive and Gender Equity, um, we use the reproductive justice framework to build a more just and liberated world for everyone, no matter their race, income, orientation, or gender identity. Um, and we're doing it by helping young people, especially young people of color who are women, queer, trans, or non-binary. Um, and we're helping them step into their power and really lead the way. Um, specifically in the South and Midwest, uh, we work in uh, my home state of Alabama, Georgia, Texas, Ohio, Kansas, and California. Um, and so we really utilize the reproductive justice framework. And so with my role as the federal policy manager, um, it's really about just making sure that urge and the young people that we're comprised of and that we lead with have a presence on the reproductive health rights and justice federal policy space. Um, so me, myself, I do most of work of my work in my coalition with other amazing reproductive health rights and justice organizations and advocates like Edith. Um, and we work to make sure that those in power on the federal level are really hearing from us on what type of policies our communities need. Awesome. Really excited to have you both on the show. And also Edwith has always spoken so highly of Urge's work. So I'm excited to dig in a little bit more with both of you on this show and hear more. Uh, Jazz, can you tell us a little bit more about your role at Urge um, and what you do as the digital campaigns manager and sort of what brought you to this work? Sort of, of course. So I got involved in this work. Um, I got involved in organizing in college after I worked on a Texas gubernatorial campaign I joined URGE as a student actually, and was able to come on as the Texas organizer in 2016. And from then I spent the next like three years of my life dedicating to, dedicated that to building young people power and running our voter engagement for reproductive justice program in Texas. And this past year I've been able to support URGE voter engagement work nationally as a digital campaigns manager. And my role with the digital, as the digital campaigns manager is all about engaging our people who are queer and trans and black and brown young people in this work that we do and engaging them on federal policy and local policy and having them contact their legislators in way, in really easy ways and just reminding them that they have power and you know creating accessible ways for people to plug into this work. Love that. Um, thank you so much, Jazz. So to get the conversation a little started, Monica, at a high level, why do you think we saw such an incredible surge in young voters in this election? Yeah, um, I'll start and of course let Jazz jump in. Like I, first and foremost, young people have always been like instrumental and impactful when it comes to civic engagement and elections. Like let's just start there. Like young people, a lot of people talk about young people as if we're not engaged and we don't really care. Um, but actually, no, young people have always been engaged uh, when it comes to like elections and voting and like working in their communities. But I think this year, like we really just saw that like young people are fed up um, and we realized that we needed to make a real change. Um, we saw this summer with, with the amid the racial justice uprisings, with COVID-19, with everything that has just happened in 2020, um, I think young people we're just at a point where we were like, okay, it, we have to show up for 
um, our communities. And we have to show up and demand that we have change, not just on the federal level, because a lot of people talk about just the presidential election, which obviously is important, but like on local and state levels too, um, because that's really where the change um, really happens for people on the ground. Mm -hmm. And to that point, I would say, like you are so right, Monica, young people really are tired of living in a society that constantly fails us and actually actively blames us for things like spreading COVID, which um, are absolutely, you know, the fault of elected officials. And our needs are not being served by our elected officials. And really, like we've decided we've had enough. Um, for instance, in Texas, I personally know several people who are first time voters this year because they wanted to do something about the accelerating far right white supremacist violence that we have seen um, you know, in places like El Paso and other places throughout the country, especially in the past four years. Now that's very true. I think it it is kind of annoying and sort of frustrating to hear how folks have talked about how young people are not engaged and like don't care about the issues. And it's so amazing to see how young people have um, really turned out to vote in such high record numbers, like in spite of all the different challenges that we experienced this year and in spite of you know all of the things that you all have laid out. And I think you're right, there's been so much that's been happening in our communities and we just needed to stand up and show up for them. We always have been showing up for our communities and fighting um, and we definitely flexed our electoral muscles this year. Um, can you tell us a little bit um, Jazz, uh, about some of the things that you've seen uh, throughout this year that have been amazing. I know you talked a little bit about what you saw happening in your hometown in El Paso and, and throughout Texas, um, but uh, is there anything else that you've seen as well? Of course. So actually, I am I am from the border. I'm from the Rio Grande Valley of Texas, um, not El Paso, but El Paso is close to my heart as another border community. Mm -hmm. But this year, it's been completely different. You know, young people there's always been voter suppression and voter suppression will always impact young people disproportionately and especially black and brown young people and especially, especially, um, you know, like queer and trans black and brown young people. So these are our constituents, right? These are the people that we care about getting to the polls and they've had to overcome significant challenges this year, like laws that have been changing throughout, um, throughout a normal election time throughout what should be a normal election time because of the COVID pandemic. And this has really contributed to voter suppression because it's been varying even throughout states, right? So even throughout our states, the state has varying laws. And then within that state, different counties have different laws and different cities are setting up different, you know, different counties have different ways of polling. And people, it's really hard to keep up with the information, especially when this year, you know, I think that it's been made really uh, clear. Yeah. Thank, thank you so much. Um, we have a hard break right now. We're going to go to commercial and we'll come back to that. Uh, so thank you so much for joining the Leslie Marshall, the Generation Progress Takeover, the Leslie Marshall Show. We'll be right back after this break. Thank you, Jazz. If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at lesliemarshallshow.com. Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall, and we'll be sure to share your tweets. Welcome back to the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I am your co-host, Charlotte Hancock. And I'm your other co-host, Edwith Theogene. 
Uh, and we have some awesome guests here with us. Uh, we're all we're all doing this show remotely, um, as as many people are. Um, so I I always automate to going to say awesome host guests with us here in studio. But we have some awesome guests joining us across the airwaves uh, from Urge, um, and Urge stands for Unite for Reproductive and Gender Equity. I want to give a welcome back to Monica Edwards from Urge, as well as Jazz Gonzalez from Urge. Thank you both so much for joining us again. Thank you. Yeah, yeah it's great to having us. Great to have you both here. So, Jazz, I wanted to um, ask you about some of your experience running digital campaigns with Urge. Um, I know that digital campaigns in uh, during this pandemic, as we've talked about working remote he remotely here and doing this, uh, you know, remotely doing the show remotely, that digital campaigns were more important than ever. Um, and we also know that young people are really living so much more of their lives online, even prior to this pandemic. So digital campaigning just got, just achieved sort of outsized importance, even more importance than we thought it was going to, I think in 2020. So can you tell us a little bit more about how this election looked different, different to you from prior ones um, in the, through the digital lens and what were some of the tactics that Urge was using uh, to get information out about the election? Obviously, just so many more complications than usual. Right. And thank you so much for naming that, Charlotte, because yes, young people really are online and there have been more challenges than ever to getting accurate information. You know, nearly 43% of young people, if I'm remembering the statistic correctly, get their news from social media. Um, so it's very important that there are there's accurate sources that they can that they can look at. So this year, our we completely changed our voter outreach program, and we transitioned we transitioned from an all from a totally in person program to an entirely digital program. Um, so we used a variety of organizing tools to reach young voters in the South and Midwest, and these young voters are typically um, not called by traditional get out the vote efforts because they don't fit the quote unquote ideal voter profile. Um, so this is something that's really important to us as urge. And in addition to making these phone calls to young voters across our states, we had our team of young people who make these phone calls. They're called our voter engagement organizers. They created accessible and relevant content about this election, how to vote, where to vote, and really why it mattered for their states that we shared via text and social media, which allowed us to engage people in conversations over various channels and offer them comprehensive voter resources um, that we personally updated every week because like I said, the laws were changing state to state and even throughout the state, kind of constantly throughout this pandemic. And that is because of voter suppression um, and because you know some lawmakers are really committed to voter suppression. And in terms of ballot measures and voting laws. Um, we also linked them to an online hub where people could register to vote, find their polling place and check out sample ballots because that's really something that was largely affected by COVID-19 is that all these traditionally in-person voter registration and voter education efforts, you know, and those being someone who worked in the field for a long time, I can tell you those were always my favorite convos. So it really made a difference not having them. But I think supplementing what we did through supple by supplementing with social media really made a difference. We're e even able to get people who we just, you know, they followed us on Instagram. Um, but we had, you know, our voter engagement organizers had conversations with them and would engage them in one-on-ones to talk to them and 
involve them further in urge and in reproductive justice organizing. And we even had people, you know, come to like a four day online conference from these conversations that we had online, which is a really huge turnaround. And I'm sure you all know working from home, uh, it's hard to commit to being on the computer four days in a row. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that um, this just goes back to um, sort of the hilarious stereotype that um, older folks have about young people uh, not being engaged and not paying attention. Um, and I think that pairs a little bit with something else that I was I was thinking through as you were talking about this. You, y'all used so many important uh, sort of classic organizing tactics, but had to figure out how to translate some of those things into digital um, and online organizing tactics, which I imagine must have been um, like frustrating, but also kind of like a fun and much needed um, like challenge to reach people who don't normally get reached. I was thinking about the fact that you said that you were providing sample ballots to folks. Um, and I don't think that, older people remember how intimidating it is to do something for the first time if you have never done it before and to make sure that you're like sort of doing it the right way to make sure that everything is, I think we heard in this election cycle, like the more uh, I'm thinking about Pennsylvania as something specific here, how complicated some of those mail-in ballot things were where you had to like uh, use two different envelopes, you had to seal it properly, you had to use a certain pen color, you had to use a certain pen type. So, I mean, the fact that you guys are talking about using sample ballots here, um, I, I think just translating some of those things for like a traditional, here's how you do this. If you have never done this before, despite the fact that you really want to be engaged and how do we make that happen when we're not actually supposed to be talking to anybody in person, just present such an interesting combination of challenges that you guys overcame. Um, And I think tons of youth organizations around the country had to do similar things and were sort of uh, inventing the wheel as they were going, you know, building it as they were flying, huh? Oh, definitely. That's exactly what we were doing, you know, because we really wanted to meet people where they were at. So if people needed a TikTok to show them everything that they needed to bring to the polls, um, that's something that we wanted to provide for them because, you know, we want to make this information as accessible as possible. Because like you said, it is scary when you're doing something for the first time. I mean, even myself, when I get to the polls um, and I've been doing voter work for the past six years, And I still will just be like, ah, I forgot to look at my sample ballot or, you know, like, let me pull up my sample ballot really quickly. So these resources are, you know, I know super helpful because even me doing this voter work, I could not tell you every single Texas law, for example, that has changed throughout the pandemic, Um, just because it is so hard to keep up with it. And, you know, that's that's not what people are spending their time doing. Young people are spending their time worrying about, um, you know, how they're going to survive throughout this pandemic and how they're going to make ends meet. Yeah, because young people are human too. They're worried about survival like everyone else is. And I think a lot of people tend to forget that. Um, And it has been an interesting year, I think, with uh, everything happening because young people have always been on social media. So I love how Urge has been working to meet people where they're at and to basically speak, speak their language, which is also the language of TikTok and Twitter and Instagram and all the different tools that are available. Um, we have about two minutes until break, but I wanted to kind of, um, Monica, if you can tell us just a little bit about 
uh, how you have seen young people engaging with candidates. We do have two minutes until break, so let's see if you can squish that in. Sorry, that's one minute, Edwin. <laughs> one minute. Oh, no. This is like a running trend with me on this show where I forget the breaks. Monica. No, <laughs> no, no worries. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, I just want to retweet everything Jazz said. And then, of course, like, I mean, like, thank God for the work that Jazz does. Like, digital has really saved our butts, Um, I think, in the midst of this pandemic. And so... Mm-hmm. Allowing them to be able to just like email or tweet like um, like elected officials, um, right? Exactly. Like- Sorry, I'm gonna cut us off, and we will be right back with the Generation Progress takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. Sorry to do that. Uh, we're gonna talk more about the youth vote. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show. joining us. Welcome back to the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm your co-host, Edwith Theogene. And I'm Charlotte Hancock. Welcome back, y'all. Welcome back. We had to rush over to break, and Monica was just sharing with us some of her pearls of wisdom and insight. Monica, if you can pick us back up into conversation and share a little bit about what you've seen and what you think about um, some of the credible work that young people have been doing, engaging with candidates and campaigns, um, and the impact of COVID-19 and outreach. Yeah, definitely. Uh, just really want to just retweet everything Jazz said and just basically like young people have been engaged. And so like COVID-19 brought like a very in- interesting and unique challenge to trying to make sure that people were able to get the information they need and, and really engage um, in this 2020 election. And I think like the work the work of Urge specifically, the wonderful work that Jazz did as our digital campaigns manager was just making sure that like you know, like she said, like if people needed a TikTok to make sure um, they knew how to vote, like that's important. Like accessibility and meeting people where they are, especially young people, because they already feel so disenfranchised by the systems in place. So it's really important to just make sure we're meeting them where they are and that they have a meaningful opportunity to engage. And so I think that's something that like not only just urge, but just like other um, young people's organizations and reproductive justice organizations have done really well this election. Yeah, we got ourselves to a win. Um, Monica, now looking ahead just a little bit, after President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Harris are sworn into office, what do you think young people will want to see this administration tackle first? Oh, um, there's a laundry list. <laughs> <laughs> it's a heavy question. Um, I mean, it is, but I, I mean, I think like young people are super like informed and progressive. And so I think like, again, the reason I think young people were so engaged is because we're tired of the status quo and the normal, because we know normal isn't like just, um, mm-hmm. that we've been used to even before COVID-19 was not just for everybody. We were still seeing people being over communities, being over police. We're still seeing people being detained by ICE. Um, And so now I think young people want to see President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Harris really listen to the people. And so that means shoring up protections that have been stripped away. That means getting COVID relief to our communities. The fact that, like, those people in power in Congress, like, chose to not um, negotiate and get a COVID relief package to the American people before the election is is 
sad, to be honest. Um, and so getting relief packages to the American people, stopping the, the so many restrictions on abortion that have been happening, um, that, it, that disproportionately affect young people of color and young people who are in states like Alabama and Georgia and Texas and Kansas and Ohio. Um, and then also, too, just like young people have been out in the streets since the summer, like protesting the racial justice uprisings and like white supremacy has impacted every single institution in the United States. And quite frankly, young people, young black and brown people are tired of it. And so one of the things we really want to see is an actual mechanism for dismantling systemic oppression, like police brutality, like colorism, like anti-blackness, like having real immigration reform, like abolishing ICE. Like there's so many things that young people want to see and it all falls under reproductive justice because, you know, reproductive justice is that inherent right to live in safe and sustainable communities and to have autonomy and self-determination, right? And you can't have self-determination and bodily autonomy if like abortion access is being restricted or if you're being detained by ICE or if you're being over-policed in your neighborhood. So yeah, that was a lot. <laughs> no, but that was really great. And I love how you brought up the definition of reproductive justice and how um, it impacts everything, right? From policy, from agency, from, I don't know, I love it. So thank you so much for tying that in um, into what we want to see like day one from this administration. Um, so, and you also touched a lot, I guess, around like why these issues are particularly important to young people. Um, do you think young people will continue to apply pressure to the Biden-Harris administration on these issues? Oh, 100%, most definitely. <laughs> um, like, urge specifically, like our policy team is already like working in coalition with organizations to like, hopefully get communications out to the Biden-Harris transition team to make sure like from day one, like this is not, it's not that you, okay, you got elected, that's cute and all, but um, there are still communities who are suffering. There are still, black people are still being killed in the streets. People are still being detained in ICE. We saw in Georgia, like people are dealing with forced sterilization, which in our country, we have a history of forced sterilization, particularly of women of color. Like, so from day one, like, Biden and Harris being elected, like, is great. And, like, we need to see change in our communities. And that doesn't stop once they get into the White House. Yeah, I think that's right. And I I, I loved that that was something that I, I kind of feel like people recognize that as um, a narrative even prior to um, to Biden and Harris getting elected. You know, people sort of, I, I thought that was something so interesting and wonderful about youth, youth organizing um, in this particular, I, I, I know I've seen it in past election cycles, but in this particular election cycle, I feel like that really came to the forefront of people saying like, we are not voting for like, and like, this infallible candidate, we're voting for circumstances under which someone might listen to us, under which we can or uh, under which we can organize, under which we can um, sort of use this as a stepping stone to get to um, a more just and a more equitable um, place for um, our communities. And I I loved that sort of like just transparency um, that I saw from so many youth organizations. And I think that honesty um, in how politics works was was uh, 
so instrumental in sort of um, getting so many young people out there to sort of recognize like, yeah, okay, there's, there's some of these people aren't perfect, but um, we have we have a series of choices here um, that we can make and some are definitely better than others for the issues that we care about. Um, so Monica, I wanted to ask a, a follow-up question here on what you see the future of civic engagement for young people looking like in 2021 and beyond. You know, we talked about some of the issues, we talked about um, racial justice and economic security, everything from, that could be anything from canceling student debt to, uh, you know, um, sort of making sure that folks are getting additional economic COVID relief. Um, so what are we thinking about uh, young people organizing around and looking towards in 2021 and beyond? Yeah, I mean, young people will continue organizing. Like, we know that, like, people in power won't save us, and these systems that have been set up won't save us. I mean, quite frankly, the systems have been set up with a white supremacist framework in mind. Therefore, like, it's definitely not going to save young Black and brown people and young queer and trans folks. So what we need are, like, policies, real policies that really get to the heart of why we have so much injustice in our country, and not just even in the in our country, in the world, Right. Um, like we saw with the NSARF movement, with the police brutality happening in Nigeria, right? Like these things aren't just happening here. Um, and so young people are seeing and recognizing that. And so what we need really is just like policies and young people will continue like organizing around policies. Yeah, I love that. I think the generation progress here, like one of the things that we try to do too, is trying to apply pressure on decision makers to address the root causes of these situations. Like it's not by happenstance that we have gotten to where we are as a society. Um, so really getting to the heart of the issue is super important and really having you know, people who can take leadership or put into place leadership that can um, like really make these changes. Uh, we have about, I'm getting better at this, but we have about a couple more minutes before we head to break. But um, I wanted to see like, uh, Jazz, if you can tell us like some of the primary like priorities that you've seen also. Um, well, we have like two minutes to break. So Jazz, when we get back, we'll be able to get more information and stuff like that about how some of this translates to the digital sphere and a lot of the great work that you've been doing. Absolutely, yeah, that sounds great. Um, so, I mean, right now, just like with the next minute that I have, I would like to say like, yes, in 2021 and beyond, like young people will continue doing this work. Um, young people will continue to like hold, especially local lawmakers accountable because there are so many things we can change at the local level. Um, you know, even just by simply showing up to provide a Zoom testimony on like defunding the police. Um, and we saw, we had some of our people do that this summer and it really made a difference because <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, regardless of how much testimony they had, well, they had a lot of testimony, right? And even though the budget may not have changed this year, um, young people saw that that happened and they will be holding their lawmakers accountable because young people showed up, right? And they were demanding that the police be defunded and still many um, cities increased police funding. Uh, that was the campaign we we're working on this summer. So I know we don't have much time, so I'll give it back to you. Thank you so much. We're going to head over to break. Thank you for Jazz and Monica who are joining us from Urge and we'll be right back uh, for the Leslie Marshall, for the Generation Progress Takeover at the Leslie Marshall Show. 
If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall, and we'll be sure to share your tweets. Welcome back to the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I am your co-host, Charlotte Hancock. And I'm your other co-host, Edwith Theogene. Thank you, everybody, for coming back with us. We're talking today about how uh, young people turned out in the 2020 election in record-breaking numbers. Um, People like to sort of stereotype young people as being disengaged or not caring, um, not voting. And I think that um, the 2018 midterm elections, the 2020 elections, have really uh, demonstrated with numbers and that that's sort of a, a debunked myth we can now say um, with uh, the the youth vote record turning out and voting overwhelmingly for progressive policies, progressive issues, and candidates who um, are not shy about espousing those progressive policies and progressive solutions to the issues that young people care about. Um, so we've talked a lot about uh, the things that young people want to see from um, the incoming administration um, and how young people are planning to keep the incoming administration accountable um, after having turned out to vote for them. Um, And I think that we have some great guests here on the show who've talked a little bit about um, what the young people they work with um, are interested in and in seeing um, these these incoming administration and incoming legislators work on. I want to welcome back Monica Edwards from Urge. Hi, Monica. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And also Jazz Gonzalez from Urge. Thank you so much for coming back with us, Jazz. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, so we're in our final segment here, and I know that um, you all work every day with young people um, who care a lot about the future of this country and um, what what this country means um, to young people and their communities. Um, what would you recommend, um, Jazz, let's start with you. What would you recommend to young people um, who are looking for ways to get involved, who care about the policies that you've mentioned, um, and how can they get involved moving forward? So the first thing I would want to say is to check out their local um, organizations that are doing this work. Like There are probably grassroots people doing this work in your area, and I would encourage you to connect with them. Um, the next thing would definitely be like, please, you can subscribe to our urge action alerts. We talk about all of these policies and it's like with one click of a button, people can email their elected officials, tweet at their elected officials um, and let them know what's up. You know, like young people, we can talk to our elected officials. They are supposed to serve us. So that's one of the biggest ways. Um, and then just joining orgs that work on policy in their state. And I know Monica also has some thoughts on this as well. Yeah, thanks, Jazz. Um, definitely everything Jazz said. And then, of course, just like retweeting the reaching out to legislators just because that's like the majority of my job. <laughs> um, but 
um, reaching out to your legislators and not just federal, like especially local and state, because again, like Jeff said, that's like where the real change happens in your community. And then also too, not just lobbying the people in power for the changes you want to see, but becoming those people in power. Like it can be something as simple as running for like your school board um, and then using that as a stepping stone to run for a city council or like state legislator or even federal. Um, we need legislators that represent us and that we see, when we look at them, we see ourselves. We need more uh, women. We need more queer and trans folks. We need more people of color. We need um, people who really care about their communities and really want to see change happen systemically, not these incremental changes um, that really don't get to the heart of the problem, as you talked about, Elwood, but really gets to the systemic issues that we have in our country. I think about amazing legislators like um, AOC and Ayanna Presley and the ways in which they really legislate by like really just listening to their communities and the people on the ground. And we need more of those type of folks. And I mean, you can be those type of folks, like young people can be those people. And so I really encourage young people too, like if you're interested, just like not only lobby the people in power, but become the people in power. I think that is, I, I love that. I think that we've seen, we saw more millennial legislators than ever before uh, run for office, win office um, uh, this year. And so many um, historic firsts in 2018 and this year in 2020 um, with young legislators. And I love that. Um, I, you were talking a little bit here, Monica, about um getting involved also at a local level. Um, and I think that is so true because it feels sort of like when you're looking at stuff at the national and at the federal level, that things are just sort of like grinding. Change just feels like it takes so long. And sometimes, uh, you know, um, the people that um, share the ideals that you have are not necessarily the people who hold the reins of power. So I love what you said about getting involved locally. Can you talk us through a little bit um, of some of what you've seen? I know that was more important than ever in the past four years with Donald Trump um, in power. Uh, people pivoted to so much more local work because they were able to see uh, real direct change in their communities. Um, can you talk through some examples um, of what that means um, and some of the work that Urge has done so people can kind of get an idea of uh, the type of work that they can, the type of change that they can affect at a local level? Yeah, and I actually, um, I'll talk like very briefly to just pivot to Jazz because I think like they can really talk more about this um, with the experience that they have with their IEBE work and digital campaigns work. Um, but just like, for example, in Alabama with this past election, like we voted overwhelmingly to get rid of like racist language that's in the constitution, right? That's like a local small change. Doesn't may not seem like a lot, um, but it is. Um, and it, it works to shift attitudes about how people think um, and how people are seeing people in different types of people in their communities. Um, and so it can be that, it can be something like resolutions. Like we, for example, we've seen in the past, certain cities will pass like resolutions um, basically like their sanctuary cities. And so basically saying that like folks who regardless of their immigration status are welcome there and are safe there. And so like little things like that may not seem like a lot, but make a big difference to the local folks in those communities. Um, and I'll pivot to Jazz too. Yes, so thank you so much, Monica. So yes, getting involved locally is really important. And that's what we were doing this summer when we were contacting young voters, we were encouraging them to get involved locally 
to demand that, you know, the police be defunded to fund things, um, to invest in black and brown communities, funding things like testing and treatment of COVID-19 and affordable housing, including for queer and trans youth. And these are policies that we can make happen at the local level. We can make that happen. We could make paid sick time happen at the local level. Um, and this has been something that Urch has been focusing on with our voter engagement program for reproductive justice. Um, in the past, in Texas, we've done like anti-border wall, city and county resolutions. And we've also worked on, you know, like locally, other local policies like that throughout our states. Um, I won't get too into it because I know we don't have too much time, but I'm just really excited. I want people to get involved. They can also use our action alerts. Um, if people text EAT, uh, URGE, U-R-G-E, to 52886, they can get our text messages and um, plug into our work that way. And our local ones will work for them too, as long as they put their zip code. You teed up my next question perfectly, Jazz, which was, uh, where can people go to learn more about you and about your work? If you could give us, um, you know, if you have social media handles that you would like people to follow um, for your for your personal uh, things that you would like to share slash uh, where can people find more about Urge? Yes, so Urge is at Urge underscore org on all social medias, including TikTok. And so please follow us, um, check out our website. <laughs> and our website is urge.org. Urge um, so please check us out because we really do have a lot of good action alerts that people can plug into. And these are really meaningful ways that our legislators can hear from us. Um, and for me, you, if I'm good. <laughs> Thank y'all so much. Yeah. Uh, okay, and I know we're, we're short on time, so I can no, give no it to worries. y'all or Monica. And Monica, what about you? Where can folks find more about you? Um, well, I have a very cute uh, bio on Urch's website, so you can check that out. Um, Twitter, Monica R. Edwards, uh, at Monica R. Edwards. And um, I basically ran on social media about the need to end white supremacy and achieve reproductive justice. So if you're into that, follow me. <laughs> Perfect. I feel like uh, that will get a lot of followers off of this show. It's a good Twitter. Yeah, I, I can vouch for it. Oh, there we I go. You've got, a, on Twitter. you've got a fan, <laughs> a fan on the show. Um, well, thank you both so much for joining us. Um, Edwith, I don't know if you've got any closing thoughts, but I think we're just about at the end of the show here. Um, thank you so much to today's guests, uh, Monica Edwards and Jazz Gonzalez. And thank you to our producer, as always, Mark Grimaldi. I know this is the only show that we were able to squeeze in in November between Thanksgiving and some election stuff. So thank you, Mark, for working with us. Um, our senior press associate, Emily Leach, and to all of our listeners, make sure you check us out on Twitter and Instagram using the handle at Gen Progress. And we will talk to you again in December on our next remote Generation Progress takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. Thank you, everybody. Bye. 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 Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall, and we'll be sure to share your tweets. Add a little play to your day with the Michigan Lottery. Over 90 online instant games to choose from with prizes up to $500,000. A Marquette County woman recently won $250,000 playing online. Could you be next? Sign up online today to receive 10 free games with promo code FUN. 
Visit michiganlottery.com to add a little play to your day. Now there are more ways to be a team with Microsoft Teams. Bring everyone together in one space with a new virtual room. Collaborate live, drawing, sharing, and building ideas with everyone on the same page. And make sure more of your team is seen and heard with up to 49 people on screen at once. Learn more about all the newest Teams features at microsoft.com slash teams. That's microsoft.com slash teams.